and what do we want to achieve as an organization as well because you know we're purpose driven and we want our customers to be really good with money give them tools that help them do better to manage their money better to achieve their outcomes and their goals and then kind of you know celebrate that with them the new zealand tech podcast brought to you by gorilla technology proactive and strategic it Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today it's great to have uh, James McInare and uh, Shane Marsh with me from uh, from Deal. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Uh, Dosh, good. Sorry, good. from Dosh. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, well, I should get my uh, companies <laughs> correct. Did I get your name correct, you did. Shane? Yeah, bang on, bang okay. on. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Well, maybe we can, we can start with you, James. Yes. Um, just a little intro on... Where you fit into this big wide world of of tech and startups and whatnot in New Zealand? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. Um, so, yeah, I guess yeah, my DOS journey has been uh, has been quite a quite a wonderful ride. Um, was living up in Singapore a couple of years ago, working um, for a non tech non banking company. I was an FMCG uh, working for Lion Breweries up there, running their their region, um, doing all things sociability and, and beer related. It sounds and like a bit of fun. It was a lot of fun, you know, buying, selling assets and building craft breweries. It was um, it was great. Learned a lot. And um, was living up in Singapore and was living in the uh, the condo there. And my neighbour was Shane Marsh, who um, we got to know pretty well. Our kids played played with each other, and you know, everyone got on very well. And and then the, obviously the pandemic um, kicked in, and we we're up there for a, you know a, a year, and things things started to get quite tough in terms of the future. Not sure how long this was going to go on for and um, decided to come home. And uh, that in itself was not easy, just given the, you know, the state of flights and transit and all that stuff. And um, I met Shane, you know, one day in the, in the condo pool and, and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm not sure. And, and I told him, well, I'm going to miss the, the culture, the climate, the food, love Singapore, love traveling around Asia. But I said, Shane, I'm going to really enjoy um, heading back to New Zealand. It's been four or five years. And I'm using these digital wallets up in Singapore. Uh, name a few, you know, Paylah, GrabPay, WeChat, and and these these applications or, or apps really just became part of my life. And I loved the the ease and from a customer perspective, the ease of transacting, buying financial services, paying your mates back instantly, getting great deals from merchants. And essentially, said Shane, well, I'm looking forward to you know, someone's done this. Who who who's done it? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna jump straight in and Shane. So I'm going to stop you there. Go grab a beer, <laughs> and cannot that does that doesn't happen. And being curious, I just said, look, well, why not? And keeps asking, well, why, why, uh, why are these products not rolling out at pace? And that's where the, the seed for Dosh was planted in our living room in um, Hillcrest Villas, Bukatima, Singapore. Nice, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so what's, what's your background, Shane? Yeah, so I'd been uh, with one of the major banks for uh, for 13 years, um, specialising in kind of big projects, payments, internet, mobile banking, et cetera, and got the opportunity to head up to Singapore, and I thought this is fantastic, you know, very advanced society with, you know, global leading tech. Um, in the space that I was focusing in, fintech, um, some of the the Biggest, world's biggest providers were setting up there and um, had an opportunity to kind of work quite closely with them. And I suppose like a lot of people, you sit there in a, in a big corporate and you kind of wonder, gee, I'd like to actually kind of do this type of activity myself and get on the other side of the fence. And and, and that's where, you know, chatting to James, um, the idea of kind of bringing that amazing tech that we were using daily up there around digital wallets and Ease of moving money and um, and getting great specials and all this type of stuff really resonated with me and um, I suppose on the other side had also had a little bit of the know how in terms of well I know how to kind of set this up from a from a kind of tech compliance banking perspective and so came home and started Dosh and and yeah we both stepped out of long corporate careers into the world of fintech entrepreneur which has been a very different ride. Um, very, and a very different experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Well, definitely looking forward to uh, delving into that a little bit more during the show. Uh, before we get in too far, a big thank you to our show partners, uh, Two Degrees, Vodafone, 
uh, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology and Deal. So great to have them on board and uh, supporting the show and, and their broader support for New Zealand's sort of, you know, tech and, and innovation ecosystems, which is, is great. Um, well, well, let's jump in. Now, one thing that caught my attention this week was in New Zealand and um, having trackers in your, in your luggage and I guess messaging coming through from me in New Zealand saying, well, this is, this is prohibited uh, stuff. And you know, I don't know about, about you guys, but, um, you know, when you travel, it's pretty disruptive if you do end up having a, a baggage lost or, or, you know, a bit of baggage lost or, or delayed. And look, it doesn't happen that often. Um, but it seemed like a pretty smart approach actually to drop one of these, uh, you know, ear tags in mm. your in your baggage and to know, uh, you know, to know where where it where it was, um, you know, sitting. So I know I'm I'm struggling a little bit to get my head around the, um, you know, the safety aspects and, you know, I guess these things are I don't know. It's a little bit challenging because there are, you know, there is a safety aspect to to putting things with batteries um, onto onto aeroplanes. So, you know, I get that. But we had also had one of the other one of the other airlines recently go th- go through, uh, you know, a similar uh, similar thing where they announced they said, no, you're not going to be able to uh, uh, to use air tags uh, anymore, and there was, you know, pushback from a lot of customers, mm-hmm. and then they said, "Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, no, it's, uh, you know, on balance, it, it's probably an okay um, thing to do." I think it was Lufthansa. Um, so, so yeah, so they went through a ban, and then they've they flipped. Um, it doesn't seem as though, from uh, you know, from a, a legislative perspective and and so on, that it's an issue. It's just something that that in New Zealand have have decided mm. what uh, you know. How do you guys feel about yeah. that one? If, if you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure that Air New Zealand's the only airline in the world, but it does. They do seem to be a bit of a bit of an outlier, and uh, uh, you know, quite an extreme outlier at this point in time. Yeah. Now, now that could change, but um, yeah, it seems like something with a, a you know tiny little um, you know battery in it is. Um, Reasonably safe. I mean, I can't think of any any scenario. One of those those little yeah, they're like a little coin battery, and yep. um, something has has caused an issue. But there have been issues with fires on planes mm. over the mm. over the over the years, um, mostly from I think cigarettes and 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 so on. Yeah, uh, more so than uh, tiny tiny little batteries. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, battery issue aside, I think it sounds like a great concept, right? Like. Yeah. If you could advance a little bit further, you could perhaps get some sort of reporting when your bags dropped, crashed, kicked, etc. Um, but also, I suppose when you when you actually get out of the plane and it goes to the carousel, um, there's always that risk that someone can pick up your luggage and walk off with it. Yep. So yep. wouldn't it be amazing if you knew exactly where your luggage was uh, at all times? And at the end of the day, it's your um, your asset, you know, it's your equipment, and so perhaps. You, Ability to track that is is a right. Yeah, well, that, that tracking aspect has been really interesting. I have seen somebody locally in New Zealand uh, tweet a little while ago and saying, "Look, X Y Z disappeared. Had a tracker. Here's where it's turned up. Can you look up the addresses of your cleaners or whoever's been on the on the plane? I can't remember exactly. You know who they felt might have been. I think it was something that was left behind on a. On a plane, in fact, I think it was probably um, the AirPods, mm, right? Yeah. Which you know, some You'll of those tracked, have, the, right? have the tracking yeah. in them nowadays. So they were able to track to where they were. Don't remember seeing an outcome of that. And uh, yeah, in another case, I think it was it was in the US uh, recently. I also saw it on Twitter, where someone had done exactly the same thing. They tweeted their airline, you know, here's the mm. here's the address where my, you know valuable bit of luggage has ended up what are you going to do about it sort of thing so there's there's an aspect where that makes it quite difficult for an airline too Mm. right like how do you how do you handle that and the police don't care you know about these things generally they're too busy with you know bigger fish to fry uh and how often is that going to happen for an airline before it 
starts becoming challenging and the sorts of messages that I'm reading are look up who that is, fire that person and yep. get my stuff back. Uh, like, yeah. you know. So, and, so safety and, aside, yeah. right? Like if it's a safety issue, because I know you can't put um, small, um, you know, small portable batteries in your in your luggage, right? So that's already a, a rule, as I understand, right, when you travel, so the small charge. So a smaller battery in a, on an um, air tag. I'm a big fan of air tags. I use them today. I've got one in my bag here today, only because I'm super sensitive about l- leaving my laptop bag somewhere yeah. and walk off and you forget. Sh- you should be yeah. right. It's so stuff b- behind before, yeah. and it's not good if you yeah. can't remember and where so, it is. So I've or... taken that on a plane, yeah. right? And um, I've got my AirPods, which can also be tracked. And I think if it's if – it's, because it's easy to default as safety, which, again, is, is critical for the airline, right? Safety – Battery cannot. But if it's more about people knowing where their luggage is, because in the current climate, you know, you hear some horror stories about international airport, airports understaffed and there is constant baggage delays and also, as I understand it, a lot of baggage that is getting sent to the wrong place because of lack of efficiency in staff in these mm-hmm. hubs. Mm-hmm. You think about the big hubs that people are moving through because there aren't direct flights everywhere anymore, right? So I think tracking's good. If I was in New Zealand, I'd flip it on its head. And I'd go for every gold elite member, elite member, silver member. We're going to give you a tag. And it's an New Zealand tag. You chuck it on your golf clubs or your briefcase or your, your laptop bag. And it's our tag and it's integrated with our app. Yep. yep. And it's free because you're loyal. And if, you don't, and if you're not a member or a core member, well, you can buy one at the subsidized rate. So do a partnership with provider and make it, make it, you know, make it a customer engagement tool. Yeah. Yeah. And, Again, if if the safety aspect, and it might be start with carry on. I don't know if that's even a, if people want to bag tag their carry on, but you never know. Um, yeah, make it a consumer, make it a consumer engaging exercise as opposed to blanket nose. And then again, if it's not a core safety issue, I'd like to understand the, the safety issue a bit deeper. I yeah. get I get yeah. e-cigarettes yeah. and I get you know, no fireworks and no guns and no I get that <laughs> no matches and lighters. But um, I wonder what, I wonder what um, the suppliers would say about their about their um, products in terms of airlines because I'm pretty sure there's a lot flying around in other parts of the world right now. Yeah, well, interestingly, um, Qantas have got their thing called the Q bag tag, which is is quite right. big. And they they you know they sent me a, a couple I don't know back in the day when they ca- they came out. They, you know, in the last few years, I can't quite remember when they came out. But there are um, yeah, NFC, near field communications sort of base mm. tags. So, you know, there's no battery. They get their, you know, power based on the, uh, you know, the transmission that comes to them and so on. So, um, yeah, that, it, it seems like mm. quite, a, quite a good approach if, you know, if you're going to um, do something. And maybe maybe that's, that's why they're doing it because they've got that up their sleeve. And so they're thinking, oh, we want to go down this track. And, you know, the only way to make that kind of, Fly, as it were, uh, today, um, is to get rid of the the competing option of the Apple AirTag or whatever other uh, you know trackers yeah. that, uh, that that people might want to uh, might want to use. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe verify their own tracker has been um, authorized on the plane and and go out and sell those. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe they they charge for them as well. So yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out. But I think what you will get. Is and and look if um, the security services sort of come on board with looking for these things, or they make a big effort. I guess they could find them in your luggage and and pull them out and throw them away or, or yeah. whatever. Uh, you know, which can be an issue with things today. Um, at fifty bucks to throw, you don't really want to be losing your 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 air tag. I guess uh-huh. you know where it was within the uh, the airport, um, but. Uh, yeah, not not quite ideal, but I, I imagine unless they come down hard on that stuff, people are just going to leave them in there anyway. Yep. In the same way today, you know, we've had a fair bit of evidence over the years that using a cell phone on an aeroplane doesn't generally cause issues, right? And so yeah, even going back 21 years ago to you know, to 9-11 when people were firing up their their planes and, and right, communicating yeah. with family members and so on and some already had them on. And then, you know, you've got some airlines that actually have 
in place, they'll have a cell site within the plane. You know, I remember mm. Emirates, you know, you receive text messages and, yep. and things like that in flight because they've actually got a, a cell site on board. So I would imagine there's just going to be a, a, a few uh, a few people who take that stuff into your own hands. And I guess that's the problem with yeah, newer technology if an airline or government sort of puts in place rules that maybe don't add up, if you can't convince people of why they're in place, then people tend to go their own way, don't they? Mm, mm. So and they find a way. So, yeah. All right, well, it'll be an interesting one to see how it plays out. Other bits and pieces, uh, Twitter's back back in the news, so we'll have, we'll have a little bit of a chat about them shortly. I see uh, California is legalising um, digital licence plates for for vehicles. I'm sort of struggling to get my head around um, this one. Why you would, why would you need a digital uh, licence plate? I mean, um, yeah, unless you maybe I don't know selling personalised plates and you're wanting it to you know the licence plate to change on a regular basis. Um, it seems like in in California there is an aspect to it because they're, they're using e-ink, so it's a, similar to a sort of Kindle reader and so on. doesn't need a lot of power to, mm. you know, to display. Um, but it does seem in, in California there's a bit of a tie-up with your, with your registration, and I guess if these things are sort of showing up on your licence plate, um, that's where the opportunity is that you don't actually have to keep you know, changing that over if we think in New Zealand of our little, you know, registration stickers that we have to do. And, um, yeah, I, I got one uh, recently. It was like, oh, it's in the mail, but actually it, it was over. So if I drive without it, that's a problem. Yep. So someone went to the post office and, I don't know, paid the extra five or ten bucks for another printout. And so that could go in. And so I guess that's probably the aspect um, – where that actually would be, it'd be helpful. Um, yeah, and but there's, there's probably an aspect around um, law enforcement as well, I'd imagine. There's, there's um, you know, each state has their own, A, their own number plate references, mm, mm. numbers and dynamic, but also, you know, what what is the, what is the, in that specific state, how is law, law enforcement technology maybe increasing to a point where there's some benefit that they're seeing in having a digital license plate? Um, I can't think of many off the top of my head right now, even before. But um, some people just you know, want to have it because it's the cutting edge. Well, that's right. If you've got a, if you've got a, a very expensive car, and maybe it's a it's a showpiece, right? It's pretty cool rocking up, and I imagine you can ensure that you have what you want in terms of a personalised number plate, yeah. digital. Pretty cool. Um, as long as you can't turn it off, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be quite interesting if you could change it on the fly. Yeah, you well, pay I, a little I was bit actually, extra. And I was actually looking at. Personalized plates a few months ago, and uh, the actually the the options are fairly limited. So you could have it in a in a, in a blue, uh, maybe some other basic colours, um, and and that's the colour of the the numbers and the letters plus the the, the surround sounds, right? But if you are, uh, you know, you loved cars and you wanted to have a lot of space that match the colour of your car, um, right down to the tenth degree, um, or perhaps you're changing it each day based on your kind of mood for the day. There's, I suppose it brings a sense of creativity to what's otherwise fairly dull part of the uh, presentation of your beloved vehicle. Um, so is this actually a way of you know, create, adding a little bit of creativity and personalization around those plates? That was when you mentioned it, that was my mm, first kind of take yeah, on it. This yeah, is actually yeah. some sort of an artistic, yep. you know, opportunity rather than, you know, digitally updating your license um, registration details. But, um, yeah, I'd be keen to understand what the, what the key driver is for, for the change. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll catch on. Yeah, I guess there's all sorts of opportunities, isn't it, when you sort of step back a little bit as to, you know, um, I don't know, those with, those with road rage rather than losing it and yelling and, you know, um, using various gestures from their vehicle. Uh, there could be a, a an e-ink element on their on their vehicle, whether it's on their license. You'd need to be uh, yeah, probably license plate a bit small for sending those sort of messages. But uh, you know, you have a Back have off. a have an e-ink banner across the back of your vehicle or something, and yeah. uh, 
Uh, you could uh, uh, use your voice to, uh, now, to sit there advertising. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of possibilities. So, yeah, maybe we're just seeing the very beginning of um, of of Encom vehicles and and how it plays out might be um, yeah much much more interesting. Mm. But I guess you know you walk around supermarkets and stores these days. Right. The the Enc is is very useful in those cases where the information needs to needs to change um, regularly. So yeah, I guess we'll. We'll watch and uh, and see how it uh, how it play, plays out. Um, but you do, yeah. You you you, you mentioned um, you know the messages that you sometimes put mm. put surrounding. So yeah, I guess that would be an immediate sort of uh, thing. You have your personalised bit in the middle and and so on. Um, yeah, there's there's some possibilities there. Yeah. Um, now um, Mondelay, this is this is interesting. Um, Mondelay. Had uh, well, there were there were a bunch of uh, companies that were that were that you know impacted on cybersecurity incidents. Um, Mondelay, who you know, chocolate, uh, Ritz crackers, uh, you know, whole whole uh, whole bunch of uh, products. But they had a lawsuit with their insurance company over uh, twenty seventeen, uh, not Petra cybersecurity. Um, Incident and this thing has gone on for years. They apparently had a hundred million dollar cleanup bill for the cyber uh, incident, and the the interesting aspect was that they had this in- insurance um, cover, but when it got down to the fine print in the insurance, there was a little bit of a, I guess you'd say a a, a get out of jail card for the insurer to a degree and this is why it was it was going through the um the courts it was a debate over whether this incident constituted an act of war basically and the insurer had in there look if this is an act of war then uh you know it's not on us and so i don't know how you you know how you necessarily can draw that line and come to a uh, come to a clear conclusion but they have come to a conclusion. We don't know, you know, we don't know what the settlement is, but it it raises sort of the, you know, I guess some of the challenges around cyber insurance uh, because the cost for cyber insurance, you know, keep going up and up and up, um, and you know, we 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 see, you know, much bigger incident these days from from you know cyber security incidents than than what we were seeing sort of you know five years ago, uh, you know. Used to be, oh well, someone would get in there that encrypt your data, and right. yeah, you know, if you had a good, good backup and system, you could recover quickly. You know, you'd be back up, and uh, you know, and away you go. Or if it took a little bit longer, you still had an option without uh, mm-hmm. without paying out a lot of um, you know a lot of cash uh, to the the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, you know that that picture keeps changing. So yeah, it's it's. In a way, it's quite worrying to know the insurance. Uh, you know, companies have got these little, uh, little get out of jail, um, you know, cards in their uh, in their in their fine print. Have you so, uh, have you brought insurance recently? Constantly paying for insurance. Yeah, you and, know, have uh, you read the read the T's and C's down to the down to all the policy down to that's, the, the that's finite? A very, that's a very good question because that's uh, you know because we've we've had to do that recently. Yeah, startup business, yeah, we uh, yeah. We need to get cover for so all types of insurance mm. as a financial service provider, and yep. and you're right. It's um, there's a lot of people out there willing to give you cover, but it comes down to, in my experience, it comes down to the, the specific detail of the claim, right? And that's where advice is great. You get the right people to give you the right advice based on your channel. Now, in terms of these guys, um, you know, there's there's cyber crime and there's you know getting your data locked and then paying a ransom to release that, but there's also the on the supply side, you know, these, they have the ability to shut down supply and production and, you know, I've, I've been through that with a, with, a, with a large supply business where we couldn't, we knew we had the stock in the warehouse, we knew where it was, we couldn't pick it or sit, put on a truck and deliver it. And it just had to be Christmas, right? So quite key. Yeah. So not yeah. only is there a, is a, is a cost to getting your data back and maybe you can't do some things in, the, in your tech stack, but there's a cost of business and maybe, you know, when you tally up the cost of business, I couldn't supply crackers to my to supermarkets for a key period of time because of this this issue. There's the bill, please. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, sir. Um, well, you, you covered for this. You paid the ransom or we helped you get your data back. Yeah. Sorry but about The factory was closed. The, we couldn't. Three weeks. And, that yeah, you we couldn't, couldn't pay your staff because payroll was down. Do all those other things. Yeah, so. so yeah. Um, and, of course, we've got the data, the data integrity know, privacy piece, yeah. sort of side of it as well Correct. now, which is the big, the big leverage, um, leaking of data. And, you know, the, and there are, I imagine there's, there's businesses out there and corporates out there who have had the cover that was suitable at the time of their business when the cover was taken and these four, four or five-year policies roll through and businesses change and the environment changes and they might have implemented a new, a new tech system or, you know, integrated into another piece of new technology that exposes them and they haven't really, you know, because that cover's in that filing cabinet and we're good. Mm. So, um, yeah, there'll be some worried decision-makers in that business, especially in the finance team, I think, or the risk team. Yeah. Oh, Chasing reading, a lot of money. reading fine print. What do you think about that, Shane? Is that your favourite uh, thing it. to do? He loves it. Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, that's in your, in your court? Oh, as we, we went through setting up the insurances for DOSH and um, you know, we bring in advice and direction, et cetera, but ultimately you know, we need to kind of read and understand the fine print ourselves and – that's a, a super boring job. Um, that's it's a tough read, and even when you've gone through it, you might get a sense that you kind of understand it, that you're covered, etc. But if you've got a, a cynical insurer that wants to get out of the clause, there'll be enough clauses in there that they can kind of lean lean upon. If they, if I think, if they really want to get out of it, right? Picking the act of war one tells me that they must have been. <laughs> really desperate because I think we would all assume that when you're looking at kind of clauses around active war, it is literally war and there are wars happening in the world today. So, um, look, it's uh, it's one of those scenarios where something bad's happened, someone's going to wear the liability for that and then ultimately who's, you know, where's that going to fall? Um, and, you know, you get insurance because ultimately that's the cover you're looking for. So, yeah, I mean, I must admit if that was uh, us, you'd be pretty disappointed in, in that type of response for you, from your insurer. Yeah, yeah. And look, the way that cybersecurity, you know, is today, and I saw there was some, um, there was a bit of a, uh, an announcement from uh, Minister uh, Clark the other day who, who had been, I think he was in Singapore. Mm. Uh, um, the Festival. Yeah, and was was talking about cybersecurity and how you know how this is you know now we're we're kind of you know under attack at sort of uh, sort of warlike type uh, type language you know which which I you know I found quite quite interesting, but with that thinking and the fact that it is often you know nation states that are that are you know looking to. Uh, take advantage of us, then you can see how that uh, that that clause might might be in some cases sort of you know considered appropriate, but also if that's a reality, then um, you know an insurer needs to be super super mm. you know clear about that limitation when uh, when it's yeah potentially the likes of of North Korea that's how they earn their. You know, that's how they earn their, their US dollars or their uh, Bitcoin or whatever. <laughs> um, it's going to be through those channels. So, yeah, I think um, we we need uh, transparency there from uh, from yeah, from from right. the insurance sector. So, um, yeah, another thing that that I came across a company. I think we've spoken about them before on uh, on NZ Tech podcast. A company called Wing are uh, doing um, who who announced doing some drone deliveries uh, in the past in uh, in Australia and there's been a bit of bit of media coverage in the last few weeks about them uh, partnering with with Coles mm-hmm. big big supermarket chain um, and that they're uh, they're they're expanding some of this uh, delivery via their uh, via their drones and they're winged drones that you know go up and down and so on but they've got that efficiency of, of having having a wing and yeah, it looks really interesting. I think they have done a pilot program in Canberra. They did over uh, over five thousand uh, deliveries there, and now they're on to uh, uh, on to Queensland. Mm. Um, so it seems like kind of quite a good idea. There are those yeah. times where where you're like, oh, 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 yep, need to get X, Y, Z, and you know the hassle of of uh, of going out to to get stuff when you're busy, yeah. but 
you know the the Uber Ubers of this world and so on don't have a uh, don't generally have too much of an offering around kind of groceries. I think usually there's there's some you know uh, dairy or or service station that'll that'll you know be able to get your milk or, or something through Uber Eats, but it's uh, it's very very expensive to have right. it, it kind of hand delivered. So the idea of maybe being able to you know get a few essential items uh, that are carried by by a drone um, could could be pretty good. Um, probably one of the challenges we would have here in New Zealand is that you know the current legislation you know in most cases unless you've got special uh, any sort of special permission uh, isn't going to allow these things to happen because they've you know they've got to have kind of line of sight and they've got to see the drone and and everything happening at the mm. at the same time. And of course we did have that drone drone delivery uh, back with uh, Simon I think Simon Bridges was uh, probably minister of uh, transport or whatever it was at that at that point a few years ago uh, with uh, with Domino's, which mm. was sort of a typical sort of marketing stunt. Mm. This seems a little bit more near to reality when they're talking about doing you know thousands and thousands of deliveries, which is yeah. sort of what we hear starting to happen in in, in the US. So you think we're going to have uh, drone drone deliveries uh, soon? Is that something oh, that, look, uh, you know, you jump into DOSH, make your quick payment <laughs> and... Get a, uh, get, a, get a nice and, uh, old bottle of milk delivered. Yeah. Um, look, Canberra makes sense, testing it in Canberra. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Canberra. It's flat and it's smallish and there's a lot of space. Mm. It's not a built-up CBD per se. Like, there's not a lot of uh, people living in a small CBD with, with lots of high buildings. Mm-hmm. And it's spread out, so it's sort of similar to Auckland to a degree. You know, it's mm, vast mm. and wide. And would we see it in Auckland? Yeah, I'm going to say not soon, for a number of reasons. And you know, that's your your point around maybe Timaru. Yeah, so not Auckland, smaller, but definitely area. I reckon. Yeah, re- I reckon there's areas in New Zealand that could benefit from it. You're going to have to have to have to have a customer that's willing to pay. So I'm assuming around a delivery charge, a surcharge of type, and a limited basket of goods that mm. you can put in a drone, right? Because there's weight and yeah, there's yep. factors, right? So pack it of crisps and some onion dip, probably. There you know, go. some, there's some eggs, and, some eggs and a six-pack of Stein, maybe <laughs> yeah. not, right? So, I mean, the technology is moving so fast in terms of the, the capability of these drones, right? In terms of speed, power, battery, life, all that. Yeah, it's come a long It's come a long way, and even controlling, yeah. right? You don't just need a little joystick any, anymore um, in your backyard. So I'd never say never, but... I, don't, I can't see it being in Auckland anytime soon. I think we've got some other challenges, like let's get the trains working and the buses working, and you know maybe that's a priority for our new mayor. Um, but down the line, possibly, you know, it's, it is novel. It's novel. Queenstown, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna stand up for the small businesses of New Zealand because for those kind of small purchases that you don't want to go to the supermarket for because it's not worth the the extra trip, um, where do you go today? You go to the the corner dairy, or the um, the Foursquare, or the you know, maybe even the the shop store. Yeah, the convenience store, and um, that's the basis of their business. You pay a little bit more, but it's closer and convenient. You can stop in on the way past, get those couple of things. Not the full range of a supermarket. Um, and how many of those type of stores are in New Zealand today? And how many people do they employ? And keep families fed. So it's it's um, actually a we, really big business. I was it's huge. Yeah, I was speaking at a. At a conference for one of the entities that has all these little uh, uh, little stores, and it, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was pretty pretty interesting to to hear the numbers. Yeah. So, do we want to move more, all of that business um, to the big supermarkets, who I think do pretty well today? Or uh, you said Coles and you Coles, yeah, yeah. So Coles, Coles yeah. are the big one versus Woolworths, right? That's it. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. in because uh, Woolworths, you may have already talked about this on the show, have. have recently launched their first QR code payment network, which enables the customer to download an app, scan a QR code at the point of checkout, yep. pay goods, but also use that product in other merchants around mm, Australia. Yeah, yeah. So clearly technology is a strategy that the big chains and, and you know, industry, or the, you know, in this example, grocery, uh, are looking at. Yep. Everything from install all the way to delivery. Yeah, well, I, and I guess there's different possibilities in terms of you know if if it was, you know, depending on how the how the drones work, that they would be available maybe to your, yeah, little gas stations and, and and corner dairies and so on to be able to tap into a yeah, maybe. into a drone network and uh, mm. and the same way people tap into sort of Uber Eats type models uh, yeah. today. So 
we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, I, th- you know, I think there's definitely some. There are some downsides to these big global entities doing, you know, doing some of these things. Um, now, a couple of other stories. European Union maybe banning 8K TVs. I thought this was quite uh, quite fascinating. Why they're banning technology, <laughs> yeah. and it seems to be uh, that to to sort of I guess uh, avoid power being used where it's not appropriate. TVs are going to have to have a certification, and at the moment it looks like none of the 8K TVs available are going to be able to get through that certification. Even some of the 4K TVs because they're not very efficient on a on a power front, so I think this is going to be an ongoing story, and and you know it's probably uh, extra pertinent at, at the moment with the with the um, uh, power issues that 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 energy issues that that exist in um, you know in Europe, while uh, uh, Russia and and Ukraine are uh, mm. you know at at war. So um, yeah, I think that one's going to be because um, if you, you think know, of a standard household, you know TVs are core item and the technology is moving so fast that they are mm, mm. getting to these large devices that are HK that are always on, right? Yep. Connected to the internet, Wi-Fi, the digital now, and then the resolution is driving energy or you're consuming energy. And, you know, you think about the last 10 years even in New Zealand about how many devices were charging at night, right? This is not a new topic. It's been around a long time. But it'd be great to see. It'd be good. It'd be interesting to see the stats on consumption of electricity in New Zealand per household over the last call it 15, 20 years, as, mm. as devices have come into our household and multiple devices, right? And then we've got cars. We've got these, you know, bigger, larger fridges, bigger TVs. Right? Yeah, there's and, an opportunity, though, isn't there, track for, for, te- for technology to mm. help us actually be efficient with, right. our, with our energy usage. Yep. And I think we've, you know, we probably all vary a bit in that, on that front as to how well we're, we're yeah. doing it. The other day I got around to setting up some automations around what, Air conditioning at, at home, mm. like for the heat pump, it's like, why does it need to be on during these hours? And unless it's you know really hot and humid, once I'm at this time of year, once I'm once I'm off to sleep and and so on, I'm not quite so bothered about you know whether the air conditioning's running as long as it's not so bad that I wake up, mm. um, then you know turn turn it off and uh, you know when there's nobody in the house and so on. So uh, you can certainly see in the EU at the moment with you know. Very sensitive topic in, in energy availability and of of course price as well. Um, that you know a move to try and minimise lacking um, usage or usage that's not required um, or optional is definitely perhaps something that's politically um, you know focused as well. And that you know they want to make sure that it would seem a little bit unfair if there was a household that um, couldn't afford electricity. Um, or couldn't access the, the basics they required when the house next door was running their 8K TV um, watching on the big screen. So, yeah, I'm sure that's um, playing into the, some of the thinking. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely uh, some, some balance uh, needed. Um, and before we sort of, I guess, jump into DOSH, it would be remiss not to at least touch on, on the Twitter situation. Mm. It's been nuts the last, last few days. I think I've been on... Uh, all the TV stations and all the major radio stations sort of talk about this. Everyone seems seems really interested in it. I don't know. I'm not sure that it's actually that exciting. Like you know, we've got Musk. We we look. We we know Elon is a crazy, unpredictable character who's you know very very capable when it comes to uh, you know innovation and 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 technology development. It really is kind of anyone's guess to a degree as to. What will come out? He's not owned a social media company before, but uh, you know most of his other things that he's done, he's managed to, you know, um, make them make them do well over time. Right now, he's for better or for worse, he's he's getting all sorts of publicity. And what do they mm. say? You know, um, there's no yep. such thing as bad Great publicity viewing, or however it goes. Um, so apparently, the you know we we see sort of people you know jumping off to to alternative. Uh, platforms on one direction. On the other side, the what I was hearing this morning was that they've, you know, they've, they're in their best growth time ever. Sure. Um, because there's this this constant um, publicity, mm. and and so uh, so it's yeah, it's all about Twitter, and they do have higher usage traditionally in New Zealand than than probably you know global 
average. Um, I think I was about one in one in nine people on on Twitter. Globally, about you know one in twenty. So they were never you know massively sort of dominant to the level that you know Facebook and TikTok and Instagram have been. But uh, if that actually drives up that interest, then uh, maybe maybe that achieves what uh, what he was hoping for in terms of uh, being able to help on the on the. Um, uh, the business side, and certainly the the layoffs. When you look at it, it's shocking to lay off, you know, half the entire, uh, you know, workforce at, at Twitter. But ultimately, as a business, they actually need to they need to be profitable, and um, you would kind of imagine that's going to go a long way to actually turning the business around if there's enough people to actually do what's required. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what do you think. Yeah, well, it's um, you got to, I suppose wonder whether it's a deal he wanted to do in the end anyway, but off he went and and completed it. Um, he's not mucking around, that's for sure. I mean, I think the the general corporate approach would be to bring in the consultants. They charge a lot of money. You do a few months review. Um, you implement the, the changes. You generally chop off the bottom 10, maybe 20%, um, and, and you've kind of reset the baseline to move forward. I do wonder in an organisation where you take out 50% of the staff is based on the assumption that 50% of the people aren't needed to run the company and being, you know, a month or two in um, from, I suppose, being able to do the due diligence on that, it seems like quite a um, uh, a big cut to, to make through. So, and I suppose, you know, those people get up and walk out the door. So can it continue to be run and run the way in which it should um, they'll find out over the next couple of months, but um, you're pretty, pretty. I know the cultures around kind of hiring and firing are different offshore than mm. they are mm. here in, in yeah. New Zealand. But um, you know, pretty tough for when half the workforce finds out whether they've got a, a job or not, and you know, to an organisation that they probably you know, love to work for. So, you know, really interesting times, and we'll see. Watch the space. Um, and one thing you guarantee, whatever happens, it'll be in the media. Because yes, it's getting well, reported yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's, uh, there's an extreme level of transparency, isn't there, now mm. around these these big firms and um, you know, the latest stuff that's being reported. And sometimes there's there's not, you know, you don't know what's what's backing it up. But as it, they're trying to bring back some of those people already, when they've realised, like, hold on, we just laid off the person that's the expert at X Y Z, and uh, we uh, yeah we're going to be stuck uh, tomorrow if we don't have them on board. So <laughs> I guess when you lay people off only a, what was it, about a weekend, yeah. Uh, then yeah you, you've got to expect that that's not going to go mm. not going to go smoothly. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit hard to get. I was hugely hard to get my head around mm. anyway. The idea that you could you could do that at that sort of pace, but partly that's the yeah. world Sorry. of startups, isn't it? The, well, well, the it is. Pace. Yeah, I mean, but world of startups versus a very large, large global media company. You know, I only build on, on your comments, Shane, was, you know, traditionally you've seen the owners of media companies. They're always, well, my generation being very colourful characters who have a strong view on a particular left or right of the field yes, and they push so it pretty true. hard. They've got a lot of influence and when they want something, they go for it. And once they've got it, they tend not to stop running with it, right? So for me, it's actually, well, it's entertaining to watch from a, Sort of looking in from New Zealand and a fly on a wall perspective, you know what's next? What's his? What's the next play, right? Because he's he's yeah he's laid off a large part of his workforce. He's generated a lot of media interest, content, you name it. He's yeah. he's doing yeah. it. Yeah. But what what's next? Because I think my gut tells me he's got a he's got a plan. Yeah. Let's see, and it's moving at pace. And so, you answer your question here: you got to move fast. Start up our business. We that's all we do. We move fast. Reference: um, someone asked me how's Dosh going, and I reference a speed train in Tokyo. It's moving very fast, and we've got to repaint the train, and we're going to add carriages to the train. And while we're moving, doing all that, we're going to you know give our customers a great experience who are on the train. But it doesn't stop, and maybe he's he's doing a bit of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's. Uh Fascinating times, and uh, yeah, we'll probably have a completely different story within within a couple <laughs> within of weeks, weeks, right? right and that, yes. that's, that's part of that pace and that, that transparency. So, so let's move on to um, on to Dosh. Um, keen to hear a little bit about you know we've heard a little bit about the the background and so on. Um, you know, when did you turn the lights on, and um, you know what's uh, what's the current uh, you know state of state of play uh, with things? 
Yeah, sure. So we we launched Dosh, which is New Zealand's first uh, digital wallet, in um, October last year, and our, our key kind of um, point of differentiation differentiation coming to the market was that you can actually move money between your friends really easily. So you don't have to swap bank account numbers anymore, and that money moves instantly, twenty four seven, rather than what you see with moving money through the banks today, which is delayed and the money doesn't move um, in the weekend. And we've been really pleased with the you know, response from New Zealand, which is um, interested in you know, new tech for New Zealand, but actually it's kind of old tech offshore, right? All we've you know, done is brought something that's been really successful offshore to New Zealand and really starting to see people use it for you know, paying for rent and paying for their friends and after social occasions, et cetera. Um, and then our big kind of release in the last um, few weeks has been adding a, a – a Dosh Visa debit card to that wallet. So now actually you can do so much more with the money in that wallet. You can um, buy, um, pay for meals at restaurants and with a single click split that cost out to your friends and get paid back, then use that money at the next, you know, after the bar after after the restaurant if you go for an after drink. So, you know, for us it's really about, you know, looking at what is the what is the best experiences that we see in financial services around the world and that we've experienced in Singapore and bring them to New Zealand because, you know, why shouldn't New Zealand be up with where the rest of the world is in this space? Today it's very traditional in terms of banks and that's the way it's always been done. But, you know, there's a lot of early adopters and, you know, technology enthusiasts um, and people who socialise move money a lot that, that want actually a different experience than, than what they've had historically. Yeah, I mean, the it makes a lot of sense to to have the simplicity, but our banks here seem a bit sort of backwards to to some parts of the world. I mean, the US is kind of is a is a bit of a complex and and backwards beast that uh, you know I guess is I don't know there, there must maybe there are other countries um, you know like the US, but I mean there they're still writing checks and so on, right? Um, but yeah, you know, what you to you to your point, chain around. Um, Banks and yeah, payments not going through on weekends and so on. Um, yeah, it seems it seems kind of nuts that that doesn't work today. Unless you're with the same the same bank, it seems like it would be reasonably easy for them to sort of turn on that functionality. But it, it's just it's just not there. So well, that's um, an industry. So it's actually an, an industry issue. So in fifty six other countries around the world, you know, just about every country in the OECD. Um, has invested as an industry in delivering a real-time payments network that enables the banks to move the money between themselves yep. in, in real time. And New Zealand hasn't done that. So it used to be just overnight, Monday to Friday. Now they moved it to a few times during the day, Monday to Friday. Um, and that change is, is you know was, was significant, right? And so the reality is that from a industry perspective, before you even get to the individual banks, um, it's a long way behind where the rest of the world is, and that means that you know some of the services that hang off that in- infrastructure, you know, don't exist here. Um, you know, the, the most feedback we get is really from people who've lived overseas and come back and said, "Wow, it's so great that you guys have launched this in New Zealand because I really miss my Venmo or my Grab, um, Grab Pay or you know, my Revolut. It's I've, I use in you know the US, Asia, or or the UK, um, because you know once you're used to that experience, it's very difficult to go back to. Can I please have your bank account number because I want to pay and the money will arrive soon? But let me know when it arrives. In those type of conversations, I'll tell you the moment in Singapore I got hooked and thought this is really cool. A late adopter, right? So a late adopter to this technology didn't even know I had it. My um, DBS sort of you know banking app. During the pandemic, one of you in your household could leave the house to get food or go to the doctor. That's what yep. you could do, right? Yeah. First, yeah. We, were, we were in lockdown for like from February, Chinese year through to about July, so it's pretty tough. So I used to walk down the road, put my mask on, go to a cafe, order a flat white, and it was the most expensive coffee because it's fresh milk, right? So it's, that'll be $8.50, sir. Oh, yep. then... Not too, not too many cattle... Uh, yeah, grazing uh, around run, Singapore. Run, running around yeah, Singapore. Yeah, because it's all imported milk, right, from Aussie. <laughs> fresh milk. I would scan the QR code. I would then the payment would go and I'd receive the loyalty. You know, it might be a 10 for one or it might be a free, you know, 
scone or something, whatever the deal of the day was at this cafe. Then when I was waiting for my coffee, it said, Mr. Jim, you've just spent $8.50 on a coffee at Baker and Cook. Round it up to nine bucks and we'll put 50 cents and we'll buy your Google share. I was just like, I'm not an investor. You know, this seems pretty cool. For the next 90 days, I just said yes every day. Yes, 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 yes. I rounded up, paid 50 cents more. That went into Google share. I got then got sent a very cool non-banking statement with really cool UX saying, you know, here's your one Google share over after 90 days. And, you know, and that was provided by Standard Chart or someone in the back end. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. I felt good about that. I got mm. loyalty. I could pay goods and I could pay, pay my friends. But also it gave me access to financial products that I never would have normally thought about. Okay, come back home. You've got shares. He's doing a great job. And other providers like that, you can mm. move money mm. and give you access to you know, early learning around investment, which was cool. And the other one was we're boarding a, um, a plane to go on a family holiday and my wife turned me and said, you've got your travel insurance, haven't you? I said, yes, yes, of course I have. <laughs> I opened up the app and I went, Bali, five days, four people, $24, done, sent. Yep, got travel insurance, no problem. And again, you know, access on the go, on the fly. Yep. A very cool transition. I didn't have to yep. fill out a form. So yeah, that was my that was my early experience into this mm. world of fintech. And um, mm. when Shane said it doesn't happen back in NZ the way we're used to it, then it was a big question mark around. Well, why? Why not? Mm. Mm. So now that you're you're operating, you've got the debit card piece that's just come. That's the the new bit in the last few weeks. Yep. yep. There must be a, a lot more sort of op- opportunities, right? Whether it's Hatchies, all sorts of you know partnerships and and uh, and things. So, how how important do you think those extra pieces are to you know to building building out Dosh to be sort of a platform that everyone's going to going to want to uh, use? Because there's that journey, isn't there? Mm. From from you know when you yep you exist, but not everyone's on the platform. Right. Ultimately, you want to be in that position where you know you want everyone in New Zealand to be using the platform and then everyone gets the best advantage as well, right? So, right. Yeah. I mean, what do you do at the moment if, uh, you know, I don't know, let, let's uh, go out for a meal, I pay for it on my card, then I want to split it with somebody and they're not on the platform. How how much of a hassle is is that to uh, to make that work at the, at the moment? Yeah, well, today we've made it really seamless because you can actually split the cost of the amongst people who've got DOSH, people who haven't got DOSH, who haven't got DOSH will get an SMS, um, they'll download the app, sign in, and that request will be sitting there waiting for them. Now, because they've signed in, they can use their friend's referral code and actually send the the person who sent the request will get five bucks. So, yeah, if you're really clever, you could be asking for lots of amounts from people and getting yeah, five yeah. bucks every time. Oh, actually, yeah, you end up, smart. there's yeah, a few smart yeah. people who are figuring that yeah, out. They can yeah, get yeah. paid more, more, earn more money than they're actually um, getting paid paid back for at the same time. Oh, um, cool. But in terms of your question around, you know, usage and for us, we talk about in terms of building the whys. So, you know, wh- why do you use Dosh? Well, it was started with uh, because it's really easy to, to move money between me and my friends. Now it's okay. Well, now it's really great because I can use that money anywhere at any time, 24-7. And I can use, uh, I can access today. We've got a 5% off uh, cash back on countdown. So actually I can buy my groceries using Dosh. You have that, or is that a hypothetical one? No, that we no, have that today. Uh, oh, what? Yeah. Online. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, the you know, cost of living's gone up. We thought it would help Kiwis and that's give them brilliant. 5% back. Um, oh, that's awesome. Countdown online. Yeah. Okay. Can't use your Dosh card, let's, though. Let's you can't, fire, use, your, can't use your Amex. Oh, so my Dosh card's still in the mail, right? Yep. So, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. waiting for it to come. Right. Yeah. Well, make um, sure the deal will extend so that when it, um, when it arrives, you can jump in. But, you know, I've got a, I'm a family of five, so my, my countdown online bill's um, huge. So it's, I'm saving myself about 20, 20 bucks every week um, in cash back through um, through using using Dosh, um, but it's about adding those reasons why. And and for us, it's you know what do our customers want next, and and what do we want to achieve as an organisation as well? Because you know we're purpose driven, and we want our customers to be really good with money. Give them tools that help them do better, to manage their money better, to achieve their outcomes and their goals, and then kind of you know celebrate that with them. So for us, we are always looking at what's the, the next best thing. And as James mentioned before, we move super fast to get that built up and get it out to our customers. Now I came from you know a very different environment within you know a large bank where 
it just it's impossible to move that fast for a whole lot of really good reasons um and that's our advantage our advantage is you know new um, agile um, and able to move um, with speed in terms of what next like in ter- you mentioned you know potential partnerships and bringing other products in so our roadmap's pretty rich in terms of the priorities of next step and it's all about giving our we talk a lot to our customers in fact our customers tell us a lot and you know in these early stages daily yeah yep, you know, yep, that's great they can do a live chat on the app with us and give us feedback and attach photos whatever they want to do they can sh- give us ideas so the the real engage users, users are telling us daily on love this tweak that have you thought about we get a lot of have you thought about in a constructive way mm. predominantly and so you know we and I'm the, you know, I wear the customer's hat and Shane wears the product and compliance. So we have some really great, robust conversations. I'm like, Shane, you know, I, I had that experience in Singapore when I invested that 50 cents. I want to do roundups and in, in investment tomorrow. And he goes, well, James, you know, the product team's pretty busy and we've got, got to work through a compliance <laughs> plan. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, no, I want to do it. You know, so it's, it's a really nice balance, um, the way we work together and the team works together um, while we, have, you know, to, 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 deliver, to deliver those next product um, goals, I suppose. And, you know, a big key strategic key for us is partnerships. So we're, you know, we're working on a couple of key partnerships out there that in the new year will um, help or the, the partners will be able to use Dosh to help their their customers yeah. from a payment yeah. perspective. Yeah. So it's leveraging those partnerships to sort of someone wants a, a great uh, way to way to for their customers to pay people because they're delivering a service that needs that, right? And there's a lot of use cases. A lot of in these community use cases, so getting money to people in need instantly. You can't do that today on a Saturday night. Someone needs ha- help. You know, you need to you need to give someone a, a emergency benefit or emergency grant because they're injured or they need food. You know, that will turn up on Monday or Tuesday, but they need it. They need it now. They need to buy the food or get the medicine. So these conversations having around how we can help some of those um, communities and groups move the money a bit easier yeah, from yeah. that side, and we want to cool. do that because it's good for New Zealand. It's mm. good for Kiwis. And then on the partnership side, I'm really excited about 2023 in terms of our ability to, to bring more. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, I always like to encourage, uh, you know, folks to putting on my, you know, futurist hat, we should all be sort of experimenting with whatever is the, the newest technology, if, you know, if there's no detriment to doing so. So, mm. you know, I do encourage people to, you know, let's have a look. This is this is something that will over time evolve and, and, and become useful. Also good to be supporting our local Kiwi Kiwi startups. Um, there'll be big international players, I'm sure, at, at some point cr- crossing more into uh, into the New Zealand market. But, uh, yeah, I see. And it, and it did literally took me, I think, less than two minutes while we were chatting earlier to sign up. I put across $50 uh, during... I guess we were during business hours, so it didn't take too long. I see that's already come across uh, into the app, so I can I can start spending and I can see deals at NZ Sale, Vans, Shoes, I'm picking there, North Face, 5% cashback, yeah, Countdown 1 that you mentioned, um, and a few more in my food bag. So that's... That's really cool. Well, if anyone uh, anyone wants to try it and you want to help me out, I'll put my link in the uh, in the show notes yeah, for the podcast. But TV. certainly don't don't feel like you have to. But if if you want to, then it'll cost these guys uh, five bucks. So uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, it's it's really uh, really interesting. I'm I'm you know very interested to follow you know where where things go next. Um, how, how, when was it that you've uh, that you officially kind of you know launched? Um, how long's that been now? Oh, it's literally October fourteenth last year. Yeah, so we're, we're just we're over just, a year. Yeah, so we we haven't actually stopped. Really we were talking uh, the other day. We we move so fast, we don't stop to reflect the milestones, right? Mm. Because we are um, while in New Zealand we're a small team, the global team's larger. Obviously, you know we we are looking forward to you know having a little birthday um, celebration, and you might see some good opportunities in the app, some good deals pop up soon yep. around that and yes yep. uh, it's been um you know the last year has been has been uh, a great a great learning curve for not only just the business but i mean can't speak for shame but for me personally in terms of taking that leap of faith from the corporate life um you know believing in the, the vision and the hypothesis that hey we perhaps we could do something a little bit different in new zealand um yeah in one year in we're, we're feeling pretty good about it yeah and so what is that sort of tie-in between international and and global and What's the New Zealand piece versus versus the the rest of the world and so on? Yeah. 
Yeah, so we um, we're a New Zealand-owned and operated company, and um, uh, going deep in New Zealand um, for the benefits of, of New Zealand. And then in terms of our business, it's it's really a, a mixed bag of you know, some capability which is very New Zealand specific onshore that we we utilise, um, and then where we need services that um, perhaps are not available here, we'll look out in the global market to source them and find the best providers and kind of ultimately deliver into the New Zealand marketplace. So that's it's about getting that balance of between you know delivering into New Zealand you know the world's best solutions while also making it very Kiwi. Right, so that we try and get that balance um, right, but ultimately, you know, for us, um, you know, we're two Kiwi lads have um, you know taken a bit of a punt and tried to set up something we think will be um, beneficial for Kiwis here because we've seen it working offshore. Yep. Um, and you know, we we love kind of working with the customers here who give us lot, lots of ideas and feedback and got lots of enthusiasts, um, which is great and. Yeah. It's awesome to see people, you know, chipping in ideas, and a lot of those ideas are what's actually shaping our roadmap. So, you know, encourage yeah. people who um, to get involved and give us your thoughts, and ultimately, collectively, we can shape what some of this um, tech looks like um, in the coming years. And just, just on that, we have a um, we have a support group called the Dosh Pit, and uh, we welcome any new Dosh Pit members to come in and join the Dosh Pit. And that is where we bounce ideas. Shane Shane leads that. We talk about new new UX, get feedback on design, get feedback on functionality. We're really lucky. We've got a lot of supporters in, in the Dosh Pit. Shane named it the Dosh Pit. I didn't name it the Dosh Pit, but I love it. It actually got it actually got vetoed. Um, and um, but one of the benefits of having your own business is that you can actually just just go run with it yeah. anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's obviously a play on the Mosh Pit, but it's um, yeah, it's um, it, it's got so lots of um, energetic members, so therefore, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it so if you want to join, send, send Shane that's an email, good. and we'll put that's you on good. the on the list um, for some for some testing. Oh, um, I think cool. if your question was about growth outside of New Zealand, yeah, was that, was, yeah, I'm yeah, kind of curious yeah. how how it uh, yeah how it all how it all fits together. Yeah, and what those so opportunities um, are. yeah, we're, we're going to definitely go deep in New Zealand first. Um, so we have a peer to peer product, and we're also working on I guess a a business product in the background as well that can help businesses transact and. Yeah, like, I saw like, in the app store. Yeah. Um, Dosh so, business. Dosh for business. Yeah. So that's that's sitting a little bit. Um, it's not in focus today because we're, we're just going to round out the the peer to peer proposition and, and we'll continue to evolve and build the business product in the background with mm. some inputs from some pretty large, I guess, retailers and, and and New Zealand businesses. So that's on on its own strategy. But then we believe that from a Pacific point of view, you know, there's. You look around New Zealand. We're surrounded by Pacific Islands, and we've all been to them. Yeah, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, um, Cook Islands, and and a lot of these um, other countries um, aren't particularly well banked, right? They might have one or one retail player in the in the in the, the city, and but they are very um, this high mobile phone engagement, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of people yeah. in the Pacific Islands, and they travel. They come to New Zealand, and they love moving money. Right, so we want to go deep in New Zealand. Then we also want to um, have a Pacific footprint to help those who particularly aren't maybe banked well, or they're in a certain area of the Pacific where they need help with some of the products that we'll be launching in the future. Get into those markets and, and also through a partnership model as well. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that, on the that, that's on the radar. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Now, some people are going to be like me. They open this thing up and go, "Hold on, this is a year old." But when I go into the app store, it says the age of the app is four plus years old. When I go through the the version history, I can only see it going back a year. Yeah, so that's did you um, acquire the f- something? Or no, the four the four plus is the age that Apple gives you. What age can use it? Ah, oh, of course. Yeah. I was thinking that was it's the a, age of you're allowed to download how old it. the app was. No. I don't know why I've why I thought that. That's, yeah, no, it's fascinating. You point. got, I mean, Apple's incredibly stringent, um, yeah. more so than than um, Google in terms of going through the app store and launching an app. And yeah, interestingly, they ask you questions about your your app. And that sets the age limit. And the age limit came out at four plus, and we were like, yeah. "Oh, hang on, that's not right. We need it to be um, eighteen plus." Yeah. And um, the feedback was, "Well, unless your app has got violence and <laughs> and you know adult themes in it, it's not going to be eighteen plus." So yeah. yes, it's remarkable, and there's absolutely no re- no flexibility around that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. one of the one of the few things and that's you, not. Flexible. And do you get um, is it is it different in the in the Android, store? Uh, I think it's similar. 
of mind. Okay. Yeah. The other interesting learning that we experienced working with Apple, if you know, you, you go to launch an app and, you, and they'll say, what device will it go on? And because you're really keen and enthusiastic at the time and you, you know, you're, you're punching for the big result, you, you tick all of them, iPads. Yeah, yeah. And then you, uh, and then you launch, you probably go, actually, it's not going to use an iPad. You cannot untick iPads. Oh, so for every release, you have to do a product release with an iPad and the UX has to be done for the iPad. So that was a big learning and some people oh, probably wow. laughing out there going, come on, yeah. guys, lift your game. But um, we did not know you couldn't untick what devices your app would be on. So the Yeah, so you actually made that decision at the time that you kind of – you ultimately, so that was me. I was reserving the name Dosh in the App Store for future, for future release. It was very early. I'm talking the first couple of months, right? Yeah. Of yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. And and at that stage you were very early in your thinking around what you're trying what you yeah, want to do. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and, and that is something we will live with for the rest of our lives is that and, and you go to them and say, Look, you know, we don't we don't promote it for iPad and, and I'd say one person out there's got it on their iPad and then so they're like, Well, you can't take it off them. So yeah, look, the things you learn along the journey, there's there's probably Plenty of those type of learns. There's a few more to come, I'm sure. But um, yeah. yeah, it seems um, seems remarkable that we'll have to live with Josh on the iPad. Where do people go? They need, you know, they want to find out a little bit more, find your app and and so on. What are they they're searching for? Yeah, so just head to www.dosh.nz. D-O-S-H. nz No, yep. no .co. And uh, you'll find there um, a lot of detail about Dosh today. There's also a cool QR code you can scan and that will take you to whatever app store you're in, either Apple or Google Play. And there's a lot of information there to have a look. So, yeah, please jump on and, and take a look. Nice and easy. Excellent. Well, thanks. It's, uh, it's, been, it's been really good to, to catch up and, yeah, get the, the insights on, on DOSH. And uh, thank you, too, to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Spark, 2 Degrees, HP, Gorilla Technology and Deal. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening in. We'll look forward to uh, you know catching up with you on uh, on the next episode. Uh, so feel free to ping back any any feedback or thoughts. And if you do want to try out um, Dosh, then you know go and give the app a, a go. Uh, and I will we'll we'll probably put it up on the um, on the show notes if you want to want to try a, a link. But uh, nice one. yeah, uh, good one. Thanks uh, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Enjoy that. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.